This episode of Inquisitive is brought to you by Lynda.com, Uni, and Cards Against Humanity. My name is Federico Viticci, and my favorite album is What's the Story Morning Glory by Oasis. So I was looking on Wikipedia, right? Wikipedia is just basically the place where I've been starting and doing the majority of my research for these. Um, and it starts off with What's the Story of Morning Glory is the second studio album by the English rock band Oasis released on the 2nd of October 1995 mm-hmm. by Creation Records. What what made you pick this album? Huh. Yeah. Because there are many, you know, me and you are both big music fans. We have very similar tastes yeah. in music. Um, and what I'm very happy about is, again, uh, someone has picked one of my favorite albums. And I'm just, I'm interested in trying to, I know it's a, it's a big question to start with, mm-hmm. but what about this album made you pick it over all of the other albums that you like? Because when I'm... Um... In looking back, when you asked me to to do a, an episode about my my favorite album, and I started thinking over uh, your question, uh, I, I started thinking back: what's the what's the collection of songs? In, so, in an album, what's the album with the biggest influence on me over the years? And kind of like the album that I've been listening over and over, and the album with some sort of consistency that is you know coherent and that basically over the years kind of changed the way that I listen to music and the way that I uh, approach albums. And it was obvious to me that the it would come down to either definitely Maybe, which is the first Oasis album, and the second one, What's the Story Morning Glory. And I picked the second one because I kind of, definitely Maybe kind of grew on me as I, as I, as I grew older, um, I kind of changed my my initial impression of definitely maybe and I maybe appreciated the album more uh, in later years. But what's the story? Morning Glory kind of immediately clicked for me. And what's interesting is that I discovered the album basically nine years after its release. It was in two thousand and four or two thousand and five, maybe when a f- two friends of mine actually they introduced me to Oasis, and it was a it was a kind of weird and <laughs> not exactly timely introduction uh, because Oasis were, you know, many people were criticizing the band for not living up to expectations and it was basically 10 years after the release of What's the Story Morning Glory. So they introduced me to kind of a mix of Oasis songs, like the best ones. They didn't necessarily give me albums in the order when you know they were released it's not like a friend of mine came to me and he said okay this week you listen to definitely maybe and in two weeks i'll give you what's the story morning glory and we'll go from there they kind of just gave me a mixtape which you know it wasn't exactly a tape it was a cd because that you know 10 years ago we used to make mp3 cds on our computers and i used to listen on on winamp and windows media player (laughs) those were the days um so they gave me this cd with about 30 songs i think and I really, like, I remember the first time that I listened to Wonderwall, or the first time that I listened to uh, Don't Look Back in Anger, and I wanted, to, I wanted to know where those types of songs came from. And so as I, there was no, at least I had no access to, uh, to Wikipedia, because I didn't, like, 
my internet connection at home was one of the... I didn't even have DSL. I needed to make sure that my father was not on the phone when I wanted to look, to look up something on the web. Uh, I was pretty bad in terms of internet access uh, 10 years ago. So I, you know, I didn't have easy access to information like you can today. So I needed to ask my friends, hey, what's a, the name of the CD, the album that I need to buy to listen to Wonderwall and Champagne Supernova? And they told me, like, I, I, I'm pretty sure I remember I wrote the names down of the albums that I needed to buy. So I went to the music shop and the first one that I bought was uh, What's the Story Morning Glory. And it's the album that I, like, they introduced me to this new to this new kind of uh, music because until then I was 15 or 16 I listened to you know pop stuff on the radio or like uh, summer compilations <laughs> there used to be one in Italy called uh, uh, Hit Mania <laughs> or something it was like a compilation of pop remixes of like disco music mixed with pop stuff uh, I didn't exactly have a taste I think in music I just listened to whatever happened to be on the radio. And with Oasis, or with What's the Story Morning Gloria, thanks to those two friends of mine, um, I started listening, I guess, to the music that I that I liked. I just didn't know that I liked that type of music. And so when you asked me, you gotta pick a favorite album, it was easy. Because I was like, oh man, that's such a difficult question. But as I thought about it, it was super easy. Because it's the album that changed the way that I that I listen to music and that I, what I expect from, you know, from songs. And so it's, it's the album that, I, I mean, I bought two physical copies of this album and I, I regularly listen to, you know, from the first song to the last one. It's just, it, it's the kind of album that never um, annoys me or kind of gets boring. It's always fresh and new. And, and I found that growing up, I kind of see the, even the lyrics, uh, I, I still discovered new meanings and new layers. As you grow up, you kind of tend to see uh, like lyrics differently and you tend to find new meanings in the stuff that you've been listening to for years. And that's that's been true for me with What's the Story. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's it was easy for me in the end. I'm going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to find out a little bit more about kind of what was going on in your life uh, around the time that you found What's the Story. But before we do that, let me take a moment to thank our friends over at lindo.com, the online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. You can get yourself a free 10-day trial by visiting lindo.com slash inquisitive. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash inquisitive. Lindo.com is for people that want to solve problems. It's for people that are curious in learning something new. It's for people that want to make things happen for themselves. Maybe you're looking to learn music. You hear this show and you, you want to make music. You want to make music with your computer. You can do all of that. You get can learn these fantastic things over at Lindo.com. They have everything that you could ever want. Maybe you want to learn how to make an Android app. Maybe you want to learn how to do better web design. Maybe you want to learn a bit about typography or color. Maybe you want to learn about Xcode. The world is your oyster with lynda.com. You can watch and learn these fantastic video courses from experts who are really passionate about teaching. You can stream these thousands of courses on demand and you can learn at your own pace. You can create your own schedule. You can even make your own playlists of the courses that you want to watch and customize them and bring in different subjects from different places and just watch them in your own 
time. You can browse each video with their transcripts and you can follow along or you can search for answers and skip to that point directly in the video. And you can even watch and download courses to your Android and iOS device, allowing you to learn wherever you want. Your Lender.com membership is going to give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about hobby, or you want to get your head around something new, go and visit lynda.com slash inquisitive and sign up for your free 10-day trial. Once again, that's lynda.com slash inquisitive. Thank you so much, lynda.com, for helping support this show and all of Relay FM. What was going on in your life at the time? Like, kind of where were you at that point? Like, what what, what was Federico Vitici like then when he found... Uh, this album I was in high school and uh, I, I was in my in my second year uh, of high school um, my my classic studies um, and I'm pretty sure I remember during my second year um, at one point there, there was a so this friend of mine which at the time he was my best friend and you know, at the time when you're 15, you tend to have these concepts of a, of a best friend and stuff. Mm-hmm. At least I used to. Um, and my friend had a, a slightly older friend. I think he was uh, maybe a couple of years older than us. And he was totally obsessed with Oasis. And he, he was the type of guy, you know, with that he was obsessed with the, the concept of uh, England in general. He was the type of guy you would have like a like a one of those um, like the, the Union Jack in his bedroom and like one of those. Um, I'm pretty sure he had one of those. Um, have you ever seen the, like the fridge with the Union Jack? Yeah, little mini fridge or something. Yeah, one of those. He had one of those, and he was just obsessed, you know, with the Beatles, with the Rolling Stones, and just with the uh, British music culture. And on a, on his list of bands that he was. You know, he was the biggest fan of uh, the word Oasis. So because the, uh, this older guy, uh, he was my, my friend's neighbor. So he introduced him to Oasis. Um, and then my friend kind of um, made sure that our group uh, of friends in my, in my... So I need to explain. In Italy, the concept of high school is different from, I don't know if it's the same in the UK, but it's totally different from the US. So it's not like you you attend a bunch of classes. You are with the same group of people, so it would be usually 20, 20 people, uh, boys and girls in the, in the same, you know, in the same, we call it class because it's, uh, you know, it's always the same bunch of students and, y- you know, uh, you go to school at 8 a.m. in the morning and you leave usually at 1 p.m. or 2 p.m. and you, you know, during the day there's a bunch of teachers that teach different, you know, uh, classes, but it's always the same group of students. So you spend six or seven hours a day always with the same people for five years. That's how uh, Italian high school works. Uh, and so we, you know, inside inside our, uh, you know, these 20 people, there were, of course, smaller groups of people. And in my group, there were like other three or four guys that I used to, to hang out with. And so my friend, my, my best friend, kind of introduced us all uh, to Oasis. It was like, hey guys, you gotta listen, you gotta listen to Oasis if you're not familiar with Oasis. So a bunch of other, uh, of other friends of mine were kind of familiar with Oasis because a, a couple of years before there was the release of, um, 
little by little, you know, the song from Hidden Chemistry. Mm-hmm. And so the music video was kind of popular in Italy. And I, I, I think I heard the song on the radio when my mother used to drive me to school. My mother used to play uh, the radio. Uh, I just never associated, you know, little by little with Noel Gallagher and Oasis. I just knew the song because I was totally ignorant in, ter- in terms of, you know, music releases and music history in general. So my this friend of mine... Uh, formed this obsession with Oasis because of his neighbor another guy that I eventually got to know and so this friend of this friend of mine kind of passed this obsession around around our classroom and so me and another you know two or three students kind of followed him into this uh, let's listen to Oasis let's learn all the Oasis songs so I remember kind of distinctly that that was the time when uh, we didn't we didn't have an iPod, and I think we we talked about this on Connected. I used to have one of those. Initially, I had a CD player, and then I bought one of those uh, Acer MP3 players that was super ugly and you know plasticky. Yep. And so I kind of put some Oasis songs onto my onto my MP3 from my friend's PC, of course, because I didn't know didn't know how to download stuff. I didn't you know I didn't want to buy the CD just yet. Um, so I kind of put, I think, five or six songs on my on my MP3 player, and I kind of liked them. I just I felt like I needed a proper introduction. So the moment that Oasis kind of clicked for me was when we went uh, with our entire classroom and another classroom from you know uh, um, from the same the same institution. We went on a school trip. And for some reason, one of my friends brought a, an acoustic guitar. <laughs> so we were on the bus. He was trying to impress the ladies. I think so. Yeah. I think so. So he brought an acoustic guitar. And because my friend kind of like, you know, the, the, the guy who were, was initially obsessed with Oasis uh, because of his neighbor, uh, he requested to play Oasis songs. And basically we spent like... I don't know, a couple of hours, maybe more, just playing those three or four Oasis songs that my friend knew how to play. So Wonderwall, Supersonic, uh, I think uh, Live Forever, and <laughs> I don't know, maybe Rock and Roll Star. Uh, I don't know. So we just started playing on the bus. And in that moment, I was like, this Oasis stuff is really, it's really fun. It's really good. And I like the lyrics. And it was also the moment when at the same time, my um, my willingness to continue improving my my English skills were kind of you know growing on me, and so it was like um, it was a bunch of coincidences, I guess. You know, uh, my MP3 player, my friend, um, playing the guitar and wanting to learn English better. So I kind of uh, I don't know how, uh, but I became obsessed. Totally. When we returned from the school trip, I, I was obsessed with Oasis. And I knew that I wanted to listen to Oasis and I knew that I needed to, to know more. So I asked my friends to make me a CD <laughs> with a bunch of songs. And then after that, I think maybe not, not even a week later, I went to my local uh, music shop and I bought What's the Story Morning Glory. And um, so I was in my second year of high school. And 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 basically never it, this obsession never ended it, it, it 
continues from there, from 10 years ago. And we, we endured, we continued listening to Oasis during high school. And me and my, my best friend, we went to see Oasis in, in the following year, in 2005. So it was definitely in 2004, because in 2005, we went to see Oasis in, in Milan. So yes, it was in 2004, 11 years ago. I was in my second year of high school, yeah. And in my third year of high school, we went to see Oasis. And... Um, so yeah, that's where uh, where I was at. I was in high school. I was doing pretty pretty well actually, and uh, yeah. Now, I know that, like me, um, you're a lyrics person, and, and you really enjoy mm-hmm. uh, lyrics and music. Have you come to appreciate this album more as your English has gotten better? Because yeah. Oasis use lots of uh, hidden meanings, and they put a bunch of jokes and like double entendres into their music, mm-hmm. um, and you know one one song that i want to get to a little bit more later she's electric which is on this Mm -hmm. album is full of uh jokes and puns and like double meanings have you found that the album has gotten better for you over time as you've started to pick up on a lot of that that's absolutely uh i found that with time a lot of uh a lot of ways his songs kind of uh i i think i I knew how to approach them in a different in a different way because I I I knew I basically I just knew English better. So uh, besides you know the simple construction of the sentences, so you know the basic flow of a song, I think I in, uh, in, you know just hanging out with English people all the time, I kind of just saw some references or some hidden jokes differently. So. You know, with time, I think, and not just necessarily the, you know, what the lyrics actually mean, what a reference actually means, but even just the the, the meaning of a song, like, and the what it means for me. So I don't think a song, and this is not just true for Oasis, but I I don't think any song has an has an absolute meaning. Uh, I mean, of course, there's a there's a single person of usually a bunch of people who write a song, and for them, to them, it means one specific set of values. Or or, you know, one specific story. But when you put a song out in the world, it, it, it's inevitably, it is going to mean some, something else or maybe something slightly different to someone else. So with time, uh, and this is true also for songs on definitely maybe, and especially for, you know, Live Forever, um, I kind of see the meaning of songs differently. So for instance, when I was younger, uh, I saw Champagne Supernova kind of like, uh, you know, as as like the the after party of being a rock star, you know, and and I, and I thought it was kind of cool, and it was a song about being successful and you know, kind of uh, the consequences of being a rock star and stuff. But as I look back on on the same lyrics and the same song, uh, ten years later, I see so much nostalgia and like sadness in a way that I didn't see ten years ago. And so it's not just the lyrics and what they mean, because I I think I I had a pretty solid grasp on on this on the meaning of lyrics in you know two or three years maybe after I started listening to Oasis, uh, but a decade later <laughs> I think the meaning of what it means for me, like what happened in my life and how the song kind of grew alongside me, I think that that's been the most profound change. And uh, as I was listening to, to this album 
many, many times over <laughs> since you asked me to, to do this episode. I, I realized just how much um, the lyrics have changed with me. Uh, for instance, in the, in the opening, in Hello, um, when, when, the, when Liam says, um, and the years are falling by like the rain. Ten years ago, I could have said that's such a cool metaphor, you know? Uh, but ten years later, I'm like, man, that's just so true. I mean, because, you know, time passes and, and it's like rain. It's it's fast and it's like it's all at once. And, and, it, and it, it's, a, it's a lot of time, but it's also not a lot of time when you look back. And so it ju- that's just an example. And so I think the, the deepest change... I mean, of course, understanding English better is nice and it's, you know, it's necessary to understand the song. But observing the evolution of lyrics with my life and with my memories and with my, uh, you know, relationship with with the album, it's been interesting. And I'm sure that in 10 years I will look back to this album and, and it'll have a slightly different shade, you know? Now, we started talking a little bit here about the actual tracks that are on the album, and I want to dig into that a little bit more. But before we do that, let me thank our second sponsor for this week's episode, and that is Uni, a wood-fired oven that is fast, portable, and affordable. I've seen one of these things in person, and I love them, and I want to tell you a bit more about them. Uni takes only 10 minutes to heat up. It's this fantastic little oven that can cook amazing pizza. It takes just two minutes to cook. You can use the time in between pieces to get the next one ready. The Uni is fast. It only weighs 22 pounds, so not only is it easy for you to find a space to put like in your garden or in an outside space, you can also take it with you on camping trips or to the park or something like that. It's really affordable. If you want to get like a wood-fired oven and, and to make great pizza with and you want to put that outside, that can cost upwards of $1,000. But Uni is less than just 300 This is actually a key factor of Uni's design. Um, they wanted to make it available to everyone i've actually been to christian and arena's house who were behind uni and they cooked some pieces for me i love the design it's this beautiful little aluminium thing and it's got this great chimney on it and you feed these little wood pellets that are a great source of energy they're really compact they're good to store they come from managed forests so they're doing good for the environment and the pizza that came out of this thing was incredible i cannot believe that it was cooked in just two minutes I absolutely loved it. Uni, they ship worldwide. They have free shipping within most places in the US, United Kingdom. Currently, they are so popular that Uni is completely sold out. But if you go to uuni.net, that's uni.net, uuni.net, and use the code FREEDOMFRIDAY, all one word, you'll get either $30 or £20 off, depending on where you live. And they'll be shipped to you as soon as they are back in stock. And this offer is available until the end of May. So if you want some fantastic pizza, you can cook wherever you want, whenever you want. Uni is the thing for you. So go to uni.net, uuni.net, use the code FREEDOMFRIDAY, and you'll get some money off your own uni thank you so much to uni for supporting relay fm i want to talk about some of your favorite songs on the album mm-hmm. um do you have a favorite track or a couple of favorite tracks that really jump to mind for you as they they really stand out because this album is is really good and <laughs> yes and i i have my own opinions on it which i, I want to share with you but um i'm interested 
in the first instance like what what are the songs on this on this LP that really jump at you well the first one and the last one the hello and champagne supernova that those kind of stuck with me over time hello because it's it's catchy and it's you know it's a uh, three minutes it's you know it's it's a danceable song kind of and but the lyrics are so not sad but true they're true for me they're they're I can relate to to what it's being said in in Hello, and in Champagne Supernova, uh, because as I said, it's like initially, uh, you know, I I thought it was kind of like the slow song from a rock band who's recovering from the night before, and they're still high, they're still drunk, and they they made this cool song about you know where were you were we were getting high. How many special people change? How many lives are living strange? Where were you while we were getting high? And ten years later, it's so much. There's so much sadness, I think, <laughs> in the song for me, and because I remember kind of my lifestyle when I was a teenager, and maybe it's just you know the associated memories with the song, but it's definitely it's stuck with me. And there's, I mean, who doesn't who doesn't love? Wonder doesn't love Dolph back in anger. I mean, it sounds obvious, but those are two of my favorite songs ever. Um, I think I I also relate if I had to pick another one from in the middle of the album I think I relate uh a lot to 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 some might say and it's not the the best song from Oasis it's you know not from a musical standpoint not from a from a conceptual standpoint even uh but you know the lyrics uh and and I don't know, it's the kind of maybe simple Oasis song that kind of, that I like. And I find myself just singing, some might say. <laughs> uh, sometimes I'm just, I, I don't even realize that I'm singing this song. And it's, I, I even, I think I bought the single, <laughs> you know, because uh, I used to buy the, the single releases. Mm-hmm. For the cover, because I I wanted to I wanted to have the singles like the physical copies on my shelf, and I also wanted to listen to the B sides, um, so I think I owned the, the, the single from Some Might Say. But if I had to pick an absolute one, I would say Hello, uh, and maybe even for those two. Uh, sentences that I, that I mentioned uh we, one of them that eventually I want to to have a tattoo for um uh, I, I you know I'm just scared of tattoos in general but eventually I want to have a tattoo that you know says uh that bit from from hello and there's a bunch of tracks that I mean I I love the album I I, I wouldn't have picked it as my favorite uh, there's a bunch of you know stuff that I don't necessarily listen to all the time but like roll with it <laughs> or hey now like i i maybe sometimes i skip those songs and like morning glory i think it's very it's very it's a cool song 
But if I want to, like, it's not the song that I would pick to listen to individually, uh, Morning Glory. Hello and Champagne Supernova are the songs that I that I reach out for uh, more often. So uh, it, those two stand out to me, yeah. So Oasis was one of the bands of my youth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell me, tell me about you because you you were you were in England, you were in yeah. London. So you know, I've I've known and been familiar with Oasis since they began, right? Because they were huge. You know, they they're a Manchester band, but they were one of the big bands that started the Britpop movement, right, mm-hmm. in the nineties, and and really propelled British music onto the world stage again. Um, and I love this album. It is one of my favorite albums. Um, so I I love the open. Uh, so the open of Hello starts with the intro of Wonderwall, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's mm-hmm. being played like quite quietly in the background. And, and, and I believe, if my memory serves, that Wonderwall had already been released, right? So it was like a nod to how massively successful that song was. Um, or at least people knew about it. And then it kicks in, because Wonderwall is very gentle, and then it kicks in with this huge yeah. guitar riff for Hello, which I really like. And saying about how you like the open and close, like Hello and Champagne Supernova are like the perfect open and closes for an album. They, yeah. are, they are fantastic bookends. Like one is a, okay, we're getting started now. And then, you know, like Hello and then Champagne Supernova is very calm and it, and it, and it drifts away. Like the, the song opens with the sound of water yeah right? true and again they use that sound that water sound in an interlude in the middle so yeah. I, from a production standpoint i like this album i think it's produced very well and really lends to listening in its original order right I, I am i am a person that does like to shuffle albums after i know them well um but i think what's the story it definitely uh it definitely benefits from being played in order um i i have always loved she's electric Hmm. Um, it's always been one of my favorite oasis songs since i was a kid i think because it's kind of happy and jolly and silly so maybe why i liked it as a kid but i've always liked it because lyrically it is whilst it is not meaningful it is masterful And as I've gotten older, I have understood more and more of what the song is saying, like the jokes that they're making and the the puns <laughs> that they're making. And it and one day I'll sit down with you, Federico, and explain them all because you probably don't because a lot of them are very British things to say. I think there's like there's some that I get, but I believe there's a, a ton of English stuff, <laughs> very British stuff that I that I don't understand still. Um, and also. Don't Look Back in Anger, I think, is probably one of the best songs ever written. Yeah. Um And it was and it was Noel's debut as a yeah. as a lead singer for Aces. I am I am a heathen and I always prefer Noel singing to Liam. Hmm. Not many people believe like not many other people feel that, but Noel Gallagher, I prefer his voice. Uh, to to Liam's and I actually tend to like the songs that Noel sings more than the songs that Liam sings. Mm. Like they tend to be my favourites. Mm. But my my kind of overriding feeling about this album, I think more than any other album that I know by any other band, Morning Glory 
could be a greatest hits. Like, there are... The density of Oasis's huge songs that are on this album are way more than any other. And I mean, Oasis, they had seven albums, right? They had they had they had seven albums yeah. that they released. Um, there was also been there's you know then and then on top of that some compilations, but seven studio albums. And like when I listen to um, one of their compilation albums, the majority of the best songs that are on it come from this album. True. I think. I think that it it sits as like there are maybe of the how many songs that are on this album there's like uh 12 12 and I think it th- used to be 13 but they had to take um I think step out uh out of the album because of like a uh, a lawsuit from from Stevie Wonder could it be I did if not my- know that Huh. Oh, I think so. Let me look it up. But I, I think that uh, you know, Oasis had a bunch, a bunch of uh, uh, problems with uh, copying or being inspired mm-hmm. by by other songs. There was most notably in in definitely maybe uh, Shaker Maker it was basically the same tune of uh, I like to teach the world to sing from the you know. Uh, I think it was also the song um, used in a very old Coca Cola commercial. And Shaker Maker was basically like the same exact tune, and I'm pretty sure that in in Morning Glory uh, there was a problem with uh, a Stevie Wonder song uh, called "If uh, Uptight," maybe. Yeah, it was a problem, and and uh, I I don't remember if Step Out was originally in some copies of Morning Glory and eventually made it to to a single or maybe to the master plan, which is the collection of B sides. But anyway, yeah, it's twelve songs in in the version that most people listen to. Yeah. Um, but you know, out of the the total songs, there's like there's twelve on the album now. Two of them are interludes, like they're both mm-hmm. called the Swamp Song. Um, so then there's actually 10 songs on this and I think Hello, Roll With It, Won The Wall, Don't Look Back In Anger, um, Cast No Shadow and Champagne Supernova are some of Oasis's best music and they and that's like you know three quarters of, or more of the album um, and that's one of the reasons that I love this because I love Oasis as a band and this album is just a pure concentration of everything that they're good at What do you think of uh, Roll With It? Because when it came out Oh I love it you love it? Hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. it is fast-paced and heavy yeah. and hard. Uh, and, you know, there. The, if you live in this country, there is, you know, there is a, a culture of, you know, especially maybe growing up. And, and, and I went to, when I was, you know, in my late teens, early 20s, and then I would go to lots, I used to go to a lot more nightclubs than I do now. Many of them would play this type of music as well as the more modern kind of Indian rock music because it was what we knew from being kids in their classics and stuff like Roll With It just really encapsulates that sort of mood because it's just this thing and it's like we're just going to shoot some music at you for two and a half minutes, right? Mm. It was four minutes actually, but but yeah, it, you know, it's, I, I think it's... I think it really works. I love it. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it is a fun song. It just... It never... Like, it never grew too much on me. Uh, it is fun, and I like the song. It's just maybe... I don't know. It, it, ideally, if I could just, you know, switch and have Rock and Roll Star instead of Roll With It and Live Forever instead of Hey Now in this album, it would be... A, 
total masterpiece. <laughs> I agree with you on Live Forever. I don't agree with you on Rock and Roll Star. I mm. I prefer Roll with It to Rock and Roll Star. I've never been a huge f- uh, fan oh, of man. that of that song. Oh man, Rock and Roll Star is everything that Oasis is mocked for. Like, yeah, that, that's exactly Oasis. That's they, <laughs> you know, because Oasis is also in a way mocking Oasis. You know, the the the, the exaggeration, the wanting to be rock stars. You know, and and kind of everyone looks at you and the way that you tend to to do stuff too much. You know, because that's also the, the interesting thing with with me and Oasis. When I started listening to Oasis, the the era of Oasis, you know, craziness and obsession with, you know, in, in the UK and in America was pretty much over uh, because Oasis kind of, you know, they had this crazy three years from 1993 to 1996. Uh, so from the originally when they started playing in, in clubs uh, before the release of the of Definitely Maybe and basically 1996 um, before the release of Be Here Now, which a lot of critics didn't like, uh, which I still love, but that's another topic. A lot of critics didn't like... Uh, what's the story? Yeah. Oh yeah, we we'll get to that yeah. because I I want to talk about it. Good. Um, so they had these three crazy years in the in in you know in the UK and the what's the story? Morning Glory made it to the Billboard Billboard top four top five in in America. It sold like over three million copies. It was a huge album and it helped you know Oasis and and many many other English kind of artists came you know stateside and it was kind of like a like a renaissance of English music in a way at least from what I read and that's the point because when I started listening to Oasis I had a lot to to catch up to in terms of information. So I needed to read. I needed to understand the context of why am I being obsessed with this band and this album? What's the, you know, historical context? What's the the historical, you know, scenario in which this album was made? So I started buying books and magazines and I, I figured out that I could order the... What is it called? The the English magazine Enemy. Yeah, Enemy. New Music Express. Yeah. So I figured that I could go to a local, um, you know, newspaper. Uh, what what's the name of? Um, I don't see those. I don't go to those anymore. Like, a, a, where you buy newspapers in the morning? What's a newsstand. A newsstand. Yes, I could go to to a newsstand in the in the in the center of Viterbo to because they they could import uh, NME from from the UK, and eventually I also uh, a friend of mine told me that I could drive to Rome and find new copies because I think NME used to come out on Wednesdays, right? Yep, it is a Wednesday magazine, yeah. And a friend of mine told me that in Rome, there was a place that could have a copy by Thursday. So every once in a while, when I knew that there was an issue that I was looking forward to, because maybe there was an interview with Liam or Noel, uh, I could convince my parents to go to Rome because I was 16 or 17. I didn't have a car. So my mom would drive me to Rome on a Thursday to get a fresh copy of NME. And sometimes we wouldn't find the copy because, you know, there were a lot of other people in Rome and I was 
so sad and my mom was kind of disappointed you know because we, because we just drove to Rome for nothing but this to say that I was reading about what's the story and I was trying to find as much information as possible 10 years later which which proved kind of difficult you know especially when I wasn't so uh, specialized in in the internet in finding information online but eventually I I I managed to buy um one of those special editions of uh, Uncut, which is, an, I think, another kind of magazine from, from the UK. And I showed you a picture the other day. It was, a, it was a special issue on the history of Britpop. And, of course, there were a lot of material about 1995 and 1996 and the success of Morning Glory. So th that was, I, I think, two or three years into my Oasis obsession. So I managed to understand a lot of the context behind the album and for instance the in the magazine that I have there's the original uh, enemy review of what's the story morning glory and they gave they gave it a 7 out of 10 and so I kind of understood why a lot of critics didn't like the album back then but in 1995 people were crazy for Oasis and and I, 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 I used to tell my friends and that I was kind of sad that I didn't, you know, that I wasn't born in England. Maybe you know, a few years earlier than 18, uh, 1988, uh, so I could enjoy the full Oasis era and go to concerts and stuff. Um, that that's how much I was obsessed. I wish that I wasn't born in Italy so I could know Oasis before. Um, but yes, a lot of a lot of what I what I what I know today um, is the result of a of an obsession and a, and a kind of a mission to to find out what was it like in 1995 when Morning Glory came out. And as you mentioned, Mike, a lot of a lot of people didn't didn't like the album. Do you remember at all? Like you were seven when this album came out. Do you remember any of this? All I know is we had it at home, hmm. um, which isn't a surprise. It sold. It actually broke records um, when it was released uh, in the UK. They sold three hundred and forty-seven thousand copies in the first week um, on sale, and it spent ten weeks at number one in the album chart, hmm. um, which was you know as a phenomenal response you you mentioned that it went to number four in the u.s billboard uh charts as well you know that that it was people loved oasis right we just loved oasis and it was you know a commercial phenomenon even though it received lukewarm reviews right it, people didn't seem to like you know from doing my own research on this it seemed that basically critics didn't think that it did anything better than definitely maybe and considered mm -hmm. it an inferior record um and also as well like a lot of people criticized the way it was produced even though now the way it was produced actually was a it was a lot of the the vocals and stuff like that were really heavily compressed yeah. Um, and that actually became a sound that people imitated afterwards. But at the True. time, it was so different that people didn't like it. Um, and, and that's maybe like why over time now, um, the album is considered uh, to be so different 
like it's like considered differently by critics because they now look back on this is what music is now and if you go back to to that album then it actually is quite similar i guess because you know in 95 um the english uh, music press was coming from from two or three fantastic years in terms of new bands and releases it was uh, based on what i what i read on on magazines and wikipedia and articles from the web over the years uh, the the britpop scene was astoundingly you know it, it was crazy there were new bands and great new songs that were blurred there were uh you know um what's the other um how do you say uh Su- Suede? Su- Suede. Okay. Yeah. Those guys, which I also like very much. And, you know, of course, The Verve with uh, Richard Ashcroft. Uh, th- it was a lot of music and a lot of good stuff, a lot of great stuff. And definitely, maybe, you know, kind of set a very high bar in terms of what Oasis are. So you expect, you know, supersonic and cigarettes and alcohol and you, as, you expect rock and roll star and live forever. And then, you know, they, they create this huge rivalry between Oasis and Blur. And and then Oasis kind of go against Blur on the same day they release Country House. Uh, Oasis decide to release Roll With It, <laughs> which, you know, of course, sold uh, fewer copies than Country House by the Blur. And, but it, many critics said that over the years, kind of Oasis won, won, at least initially, they won the, the war against Blur. And, you know, uh, I think that the album by the Blur was The Great Escape. Yeah, the, Oasis definitely won. But, but if you, if you look at many years down the road, you could say that uh, Damon Albarn and the Blur kind of maintained their innovative edge and their, you know, willingness to experiment, whereas maybe Oasis kind of got stuck. They did. Because Oasis became boring. Um, yeah. And and arguably, at least, you know, Noel's solo records are way more exciting than the last few um, records that, you know, that Oasis put out. Uh, oh, yeah. But you know, there, um, there's a lot of trouble between them. You know, like they broke up, they don't talk, yeah. that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I follow Liam on on Twitter, and it just the past couple of days, he's been basically trolling his brother over Twitter. Uh, it's it's an ugly situation if been if you've been a fan of the Gallagher brothers. Um, but Morning Glory kind of stands out, um, also for me. Because, yes, you're right. Looking back, it is different. Like, I own every single Oasis album. And I went to see, fortunately for me, Oasis live before they, you know, split up in 2009. I went to see them live in 2005. So I'm lucky enough to be able to say I saw Oasis once. Um, a friend of mine, actually, she she bought one of the <laughs> one of the Oasis tickets in two thousand and nine. Uh, she was supposed to go to uh, in Italy to see them uh, play live at a at a uh, at a concert, not even a festival. It was their own their own concert, and just three days before the concert, they they split up. Yeah, I saw them on that tour. Oh, oh, <laughs> so you managed to see them? Okay. It was not good. Yeah, in 2005, they were 
I love the concert because I uh, don't believe the truth, which is, you know, it's not a good album. Uh, but they they managed to to put on a good show in 2005. Um, yeah, considering that this was months or weeks before they split up, they did not enjoy being there. Uh, like, yeah. Kasabian uh, were the support act, and that was way more enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, uh, when, when I went to see them in 2005, uh, the choral were supporting oh, acts. Yeah. Yeah, very nice, very nice. Band. So, yeah, and I wanted to give you so, another fact about the the album's success. Mm-hmm. So, what's the story it was the best-selling album of the 90s of the entire decade um in the UK. Um uh, it it received 14 platinum certifications from the British phono- phonographic industry, and this is the highest ever awarded to a single record and it's only ever been matched by Adele's 21. So they hold a they hold a joint record of Adele for the the most platinum certifications in the UK. That's an impressive statistic. Didn't didn't know this much. I knew that at one point, like uh, Arctic Monkeys, kind of, but that was for the fastest selling. Yeah, Arctic Monkeys maintain the record for the fastest selling. I don't know, like. I don't know, like, to what number that is, but the the record is the fastest selling British album of all time, um, because you know, if anybody ever wants to do one of these episodes with me, I will tell people that you know that is my f- probably my favorite album of all time. Um, the first one from Arctic Monkeys. Yeah. Oh yeah, I I could. It's definitely in my top five too. And I have another whole story about Arctic Monkeys and the way uh, people from Viterbo got to know Arctic Monkeys. Uh, that's for another, uh, you know, another podcast, maybe. Another maybe, show. maybe you can interview me about my favorite album and then. Talk I story. can interview you yeah. at one point. Maybe yes, that would that. be. I I would like to put me in your shoes <laughs> and <laughs> to interview you, Mike. Uh, as of two thousand and fifteen. Uh, What's the story? Morning Glory has sold approximately 22 million copies worldwide. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. Okay, so I still have a couple more things that I want to ask you, Federico. But before that, let me just thank Cards Against Humanity for once again sponsoring this week's episode. They think that the funniest thing in the world is playing the first few seconds of a 90s pop song and then stopping it abruptly. Like this. It's been... My thanks to Cards Against Humanity for sponsoring Inquisitive. Are you proud of this album choice? Yes, of course I am. I mean, it's it's the kind of album that I could listen to without ever being bored. Or, uh, you know, I, I, just the other day I listened twice, you know, from number one to number 12. And I and it just, I, I love this album. And... I as a as a thought experiment, I wanted to read the reviews of uh, Morning Glory from 1995, and it it is clear to me just how much the context of what an album means to you can change with time, uh, because in 1995, original like the critics say, if this is Oasis has come to after the you know the, the huge success of definitely maybe then Oasis are boring and they're over basically this is not a this is not a proper successor to definitely maybe and then Morning Glory quickly becomes you know what many people regard as Oasis best work 
And I think over the years, it's, I mean, there's Champagne Supernova. It is a beautiful song. There's Wonderwall, which is basically like in the top karaoke songs, I think, ever played by people. Everybody knows Wonderwall. And Don't Look Back in Anger is actually, I think, one of my, one of my, I wouldn't say favorite, but a most interesting songs from Oasis that I can think of. And I actually have a story for you, Mike, okay. about Don't Look Back in Anger. So I... I, I was so obsessed with Oasis and listening to music that I eventually moved, of course, to other bands and, you know, to listening to more stuff and keeping up with new releases, etc. But I, I always remained at heart an Oasis guy, an Oasis huge, huge fan. And I got so much into music. So you need to understand that before Oasis, I was totally ignorant in terms of music. And after Oasis, I like a world, an entire world opened to me. And so besides modern bands and new releases, I expanded my horizon of music taste to anything I could find. I, there was the, the, you know, the period of my life when I when I got so much into Smashing Pumpkins and then I kind of became obsessed with music from the 60s, so the Beatles and Rolling Stones. And I moved from genre to genre, from decade to decade, and I just wanted to listen to as much music as possible. And eventually, I decided to, along with the, with the best friend of mine who in, in initially introduced me to Oasis, we formed our own band, which we, we talked about before on, on the prompt and connected. And so we were very much inspired by, by Oasis and kind of, you know, the acoustic guitars with the electric, electric guitar at the same time. And after a couple of months, maybe more, after a year, I think, actually, I knew that, I, you know, uh, I kind of, I've always been inspired maybe by, by Liam and, and the way that he kind of, you know, sings and, you know, the kind of the rough voice and the, the very uh, rock star uh, kind of attitude. But I knew that I, uh, if I wanted to continue playing in a band properly, I needed to take a few lessons. And so I signed up for um, singing lessons. Yeah, there was a teacher uh, near Viterbo. She she's a professional singer. Uh, she she's one of those uh, people who went to like the 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 actually studied music in high school. Um, so I took a few lessons, and on my first day, uh, I don't know how she knew, but she was like. You can choose, you can either sing um, Karma Police by Radiohead, or you can sing Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis. <laughs> so I was like, can I, can I sing both? And so, of course, on my first day, uh, she made me sing Karma Police and, and Don't Look Back in Anger. And I was terrible, because uh, this wasn't like singing with a band or singing live, where maybe a mistake is more, you know, can, can, be, can be glossed over. Uh, but when you're, when you're singing in a studio and there's just like a, like a basically, it's just you and, you, and the microphone, you, you catch all the errors, you catch all the mistakes that you make. And it always, 
it, this is uh, like one of my strongest memories. I think I knew I had a very accurate, um, you know, way of singing Don't Look Back in Anger, but actually I was terrible from a technical perspective. And that was really helpful in kind of, you know, because I, in, in, being in a band and being obsessed with Oasis, I think I... I felt like I was invincible, you know, when when you sing on stage in front of people, I kind of tried to have that sort of Liam way of approaching the stage of being, you know, like, I'm the, the best one around and you're all, you know, you're all listening to me. So, you know, that rock star attitude. Uh, but actually, when I got evaluated by a professional, <laughs> I sucked, <laughs> which was kind of eye opening. <laughs> from this perspective and so yeah it's a you know morning glory listening to morning glory playing morning glory it's it just like the lyrics every aspect of this album kind of it sounds very much cheesy and cliche but it kind of changed me maybe even just slightly but Music, I think music can change people, of course. And I think this album, in specifically, just the people that I got to meet thanks to Oasis. And, you know, the, the, the memories that I have thanks to Oasis, and especially this album, because it was the first one. It's not just an album, it's a bunch of memories, really. And that's why I think I picked this one, and, and why I still think it stands so strong in Oasis' catalog. It's because for me... It's not just 12 songs, it's years of my life and it's years of memories in many different ways. Maybe because I'm buying the album twice because I gifted my original copy to another person. Or maybe it's because I want to see Oasis live. Or maybe it's because I'm learning to play What's the Story Morning Glory. It's just a bunch of different memories and life uh, you know, situations that I tend to associate with this album. So even after 11 years after its release... You, you can say, you know, Oasis as a band, as, as a band was uh, inevitably flawed because of the, you know, the contrast between Liam and Noel and because maybe they were not so gifted from an artistic or maybe technical perspective. But it doesn't matter to me because it's, you know, it's one of those albums that I generally believe kind of made me even slightly different. And maybe I, I, want, I want to believe even slightly better. 